To Unplugged, the Mill Usman podcast, your stable for authentic information and unbridled fun. And now, your host. This is Grandmaster Mo. Welcome to Unplugged, the Most Man podcast, episode 12. The topic for this episode is women in Islam and the bastardization of their rights by our society. Now, there are a lot of what, in my humble opinion, I consider misconceptions surrounding women's roles, rights, and responsibilities in Islam. On this episode, my guests will be talking to us about this according to the stipulations of the deen, as I ask for clarification to certain things that have become the norm in our society in Arewa. And my guest for this week's episode is Ustaz Abu Jaber Abdullah Pen Abdul. Welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, it's my pleasure. All right, wonderful. Now, I'd like for us to begin from, say, the birth of a girl child. What the dean says about the women in our lives, our mothers, our sisters, our daughters. ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته والحمد لله الحمد لله الاسلام is an all encompassing religion and there is nothing that is left untouched like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says Quran is an exposition on everything. So with regards to the birth of uh, a male or a female child, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us understand from the glorious Quran that it is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to decide who gets what and what anyone can give birth to. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, لِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ In Surah Al-Shura, Quran chapter 42 verse 49. Allah says, لِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْعَرُضِ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ يَهَبُّ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ إِنَاثًا وَيَهَبُّ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ الذُّكُورًا أَوْ يُزَوِّجُهُمْ ذُكُرَانًا وَإِنَاثًا وَيَجَعَلُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ عَقِيمًا إِنَّهُ عَلِيمٌ قَدِيرٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, To Allah belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. He creates what he wills. He bestows female offspring upon whom he wills. And he equally bestows male offspring upon whom he wills yeah. or he bestows both males and females and he renders barren whom he wills verily he is the all knower and he is able to do all things now from this simple uh you know explanation that we have from the glorious quran it can be understood that having a male child or a female child, or a mixture of both and female child, or not even given birth at all, it's all in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah decides. So Islamically, there is nothing, no any stigma attached to uh, having a girl child or a male child. But before the coming of Islam, before the coming of Islam, what was obtainable in the Jahiliya period the the arabian environment then was an environment that uh, looked down on the female child an environment that denigrated the female child an environment that saw the female child as you know uh, a less human an environment that treated a female child and the women folk as part of inheritance 
an environment that treated the female child as a commodity, an object, an environment that saw the female child as, you know, beings that were created to serve the men. And this was not only obtainable in the Arabian environment of that time, also in other parts of Europe, then uh, they saw women as, yeah, it, it was, there was a debate, for example, in, in, in France, some centuries back, uh, as to whether women uh, uh, had souls or not. And when they concluded that women had souls, they now went ahead to say that, okay, yes, they had souls, they have souls, but they have been created to serve men. So this was not only obtainable in the Arabian environment, but this was, yes, yes, I know it's amazing, but this was the condition of women at that time. I hope it's clear. Yes, it is. It's also crazy that even in 2020, with all of the Islamic knowledge available, with all of the Western knowledge available, People still feel as though this is the stand of women in our society, especially here in Iowa. Now, I say this because when we take the, the, the issue of um, educating the female children, it, it sort of seems as though here in Iowa, most especially, it, it is like it's just the, the, if you, the ones, people that are willing to take their children to school. I'm not talking about the rich people or the middle class now. I'm talking about people that are probably poor. But if they want to send their children to school, they prefer sending their male child to school than the female child to school. Yeah, this is uh, this is a gross misconception and perhaps uh, a misunderstanding of the religious text itself. In Islam, women and men, men and women have been created with equal. Listen to my words: with equal capability for spiritual attainment, knowledge spirituality in terms of physical makeup Allah in his divine wisdom has created us differently oh. for obvious reasons and for reasons based on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also now education is the birthright of every Muslim men or female Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says whoever does a good deed whether male or female and that person is a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah said, I'm going to give him a good life. So there is no distinction between a male and female child when it comes to spiritual attainment, when it comes to knowledge seeking, when it comes to knowing uh, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, when it comes to contributing to the betterment of the society. Now, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, he says, إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ Till the end of it, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالذَّاكِرِينَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا وَالذَّاكِرَاتِ Then Allah said, أَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةً وَعَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Verily the Muslims, those who submit to Allah and Islam, men and women, the believers, men and women, the obedient servants to Allah, men and women, till when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and those who remember Allah much from amongst the male and from amongst the female, which means everything, there is no any gender, you know, uh, bias when it comes to uh, Islam itself. What people see as gender bias is a misunderstanding. No. Now, unfortunately, our society, uh, they, they are taking themselves back to what the Jailia people were upon. And, and let me tell you what the Jailia people were upon with, uh, with regards to the female child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us, in Surah Al-Nahl, Quran chapter 16, verse 58, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, 
واذا بشر احدهم بالانثى ظل وجهه مسودا وهو كذلك الله said and when the news of the birth of a female child is brought to any of them ظل وجهه his face becomes dark يعني is saddened by the news of the birth of a female child وهو كذلك and is filled with inward grief a female child you can see the mentality a female child yeah a female child why not a male child then allah says that same person with that mentality yatawara min alqaum min su'i ma bushira bihi he hides himself yatawara he hides himself from the people why min su'i ma bushira bihi because of the evil of what has been what he has been informed of what is that evil What is that evil information? What does he see as an evil information? The birth of a female child. Hmm. So that was the mentality. And he gives himself two options. Ayumsikuhu ala hunin am yadussuhu fi turab. Shall shall he keep her with dishonor? So they see it as something of disrepute and dishonorable to have a female child. Or should I just live with her and live in a state of disorder or should i bury her alive subhanallah then allah said ala sa'ama yahkumun certainly evil is their decision so the same thing now is playing out in our contemporary society yeah. a female child she doesn't deserve what a male child deserves a female child no education is not for education is for male child now psychologically we're taking ourselves back to the jahiliyyah period you know referencing the verse that i just recited now and that was the condition of the people and that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said wa idha al-ma'udat wa idha al-ma'udata su'ilat wa idha al-ma'udatu su'ilat ma'udatu su'ilat and when the female infant that was buried alive wa idha al-ma'udatu su'ilat it's been questioned bi ayyi dhanbin qutilat for what sin was she killed now you know the sin as to why she was buried alive because of the option they gave themselves do i live with her ayumsikuhu ala huni am yadussuhu fi turab so that is the center that is playing out today in our societies no no I, I, no yeah now i'd like for us to talk about marriage and um, forced marriage but that is a very very broad topic but i i believe that it is a consensus by the ulama that forced marriage is not of the deen absolutely so absolutely so islam is against forced marriage because marriage is built on love now uh, wonderful so i would like for us to talk about you know mar- marital life one aspect particularly of marital life which is the financial aspect of of that marital life now now for for a lot of people here in Iowa it is sort of like a taboo for most people that their wife are financially independent their wives are earning money what does the deen say about stuff like this specifically islam is not against uh women honey and that was what i said women have been given equal capability uh for spiritual attainment for financial independence islam did islam never in the history of islam as islam uh uh, uh stood as an obstacle against women uh becoming successful when they maintain uh, the conditions and they observe the tenets of the sharia but islam encourages people to uh you know to have means of livelihood even though the responsibility to feed is on the husband and that is why uh even if a woman earns 
a billion naira and the husband is earning 50,000 naira, the responsibility to feed the family is on the, is what? On the husband. The responsibility is on the husband. So yeah. Islam is not against women, uh, you know, uh, 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 pursuing uh, financial, uh, you know, uh, uh, attainment. I, would, I wouldn't want to call it, uh, even though I reference that uh, independence in a way that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, she's independent of the man to take care of her. Why I refuse to use the word financial independence is that because no matter how much a woman earns, Islam has placed the responsibility for our, uh, you know, guardian or our husband or a male relative to take care of our needs. Even if she has the money, not that she can spend it, and that is that's uh, subhanallah, that's an honor on the part of the woman, isn't it? Yeah, if someone tells you you are earning money, but your father says, Yeah, I know you are earning money, but don't worry, I settle your bills every month, just send your bills to me, just do whatever you want to do with your money. But your, your basic necessities of life, don't spend your money on them, it's my responsibility. I know you can do it. What, what, what do you turn back to say to your dad? You say, thank you very much. I'm very grateful. Isn't it? And you feel honored and you feel loved by your father. If that happens, what more of Islam that a woman earns when they say, well, someone should spend on you, not you spending on yourself. You know, uh, your father spends on you, your brother, if your father is not there, your uncle, if none of them is there, your husband, if you are there, your son, if it's, it's of earth, no matter how much you're earning, the responsibility keeps shifting that the woman's money is our money. The man's money is for him and his female relatives. That's, you know, if, if there is anyone to stand out and to speak against anything, if there was any injustice whatsoever, subhanAllah, the man will say, why is it that my money is not for me alone? The woman's money is for her alone. My money is for me and my male dependent, my female dependents. Why? But subhanAllah, we have twisted passion, twisted understanding, and uh, we, we, we think that Islam uh, has come to suppress the women folk. No, uh, Islam has you know, actually come to uh, support the women also. Uh, the wife of the Prophet sallam, popularly people will tell you Khadija was a businesswoman. Yeah, but Khadija was a businesswoman that was operating from home. She was a businesswoman. She had, she had male attendants that travel, do the traveling, that attend to their uh, to our businesses and other things uh, so so i hope it's clear islam is not anti-women making their money uh, but whatever the woman makes the responsibility still falls on the shoulder of the of the male and that is allah's decision and we're very comfortable with it and again if the woman goes out to earn then there are conditions also you know the environment how she mingles how she interacts how she does this and that she has to respect our religious uh you know principles now all right. Now, there's also a lot of misconceptions when it comes to the issue of uh, rape. Domestic abuse, to a certain extent, I believe, is very, very clear. There is sort of like a unanimous decision as far as domestic abuse is concerned, in re relating to uh, which could actually lead to divorce in some instances. But the issue of rape is still contentious with modern society. What does the dean specifically say about that? Well, whatever Allah decides is best for us. Whether we understand wisdom behind it or not. No. So I'm going to tell you what the religion says with regards to the issue of rape. There are two approaches to it. When someone rapes a woman without threatening her, the punishment is different. So a rape, let's say someone rapes a woman, 
she's forced into it. That's rape, isn't it? Yes. Then, the evidence that is needed to establish the case against Zina, because rape is a form of Zina. The difference between rape and the conventional Zina is that conventional Zina is consensual between two people that are committing the heinous sin. While rape is a sin, a zina that is initiated by one party without the approval of the other party. And we have the rule Man kafara billahi min ba'di imanihi illa man ukriya wa qalbuhu mutma'innu bil-ilma. So whoever is forced into doing something is not culpable of it. And that is why when a woman is forced into sexual intercourse, she, she's been raped by, uh, you know, uh, someone, the, 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 the punishment falls on the rapist. In this case, the male, and not on the female. And you have the reverse case where it is the woman that rapes the man. Yes. So, the punishment is the punishment for Zina. If he's married, previously married, or he's married, and he commits rape, he's, he's turned to death. If he's not married, uh, and he commits uh, 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 Zina, a rape, and the case has been established by four witnesses. Four witnesses, because any woman can come out and say someone has raped her. So Islam is there to protect the honor of people and their life also. Just as Islam is protecting the honor of the woman that has been raped, Islam is also protecting the honor of someone that might be accused of being a rapist, okay. innocently. Okay. So you have to, four evidences before you can establish the case of a rape. Otherwise, every woman will just come out and say someone raped me yesterday, and that, that means she's tarnished the person's image. So Islam is all about protecting the person's honor in that aspect of it. So the case has to be established. Where it is not established by four witnesses, then someone, you know, uh, evidence of, you know, uh, use of force, where uh, at the gone point, at, at the point of gone, or someone must have had the woman screaming and they, they rushed in to help her and they saw the person uh, raping her and the evidence is there and medically it's proven that this woman has been raped and she's able to, uh, you know, it's, it's entirely a different. The punishment does not fall on the woman. Do you understand? Yeah. But you need just four evidences. Now, where a person has been caught and you know, has been confirmed to be a rapist, whether the person confesses to the scene or it's been confirmed that he actually raped a woman. Now, what happens in this case? If he used a weapon to threaten her, for example, a knife, as some of the rapists will do, or at a, at a gunpoint, as some of the rapists will do, or uh, you know, strangling the woman, threatening to kill her, then in that case, the ruling changes. It is at the discretion of the uh, judge now, then this person can be killed because now it is not only him committing a rape, but is also threatening to take the life of another person by pointing a weapon at that person. So now the punishment goes from just ordinary punishing someone for the crime of Zina, but also for the crime of, you know, harm. And that is when the person now is killed also. Right. Now, so what are the stipulations in a marriage between a husband and a wife where there is forced intercourse? Well, uh, amazingly, this is another thing that we uh, that our society today is being carried away uh, with. Uh, there is no such thing as marital rape in Islam. Okay. A, a, a husband pays a dowry that was agreed on by the woman. The name of Allah is pronounced, and marriage is contracted. She is now legally his wife. 
and the Prophet Sallallahu said, Fear Allah with regards to your women because uh, a sleeping with them has been made permissible for you by the name of Allah because it was by the name of Allah that the marriage contract was uh, conducted and uh, the woman becomes uh, uh, a legally wedded wife and is allowed to have, an, uh, have intercourse with her legitimately so within the parameters of Sharia wherein is forbidden to cohabit with her uh, through a back passage that is haram uh, in the Sharia. But when the woman now, what Islam says is that the husband should live honorable with his wife and she, she has the right to uh, kind treatment from the husband. And this also means that when the woman at certain time, she, she has some hormonal uh, imbalance, a certain time she is moody, a certain time she is not uh, uh, maybe psychologically uh, uh, kin to theirs. And it's the right of the husband also uh, when he wants to have an uh, intercourse with his wife, he, uh, she should not deny him. But in a situation where she's not feeling fine, she's sick, or she has some psychological thing, she's just lost her parents or something, and she feels she's not in that, uh, the husband now is you know, uh, the husband now is advised to understand the plight of the woman and to live honorable with her and, you know, to to appreciate the fact that she is not fit for that. So, but we are in, he forced himself into it. Uh, we don't call it rape. It is something else. It is not called rape. Do you understand? It is the, the husband not being considerate uh, on the wife. And well, we're not going to budge into the Western pressure to say to pronounce anything as you know marital but there isn't any there isn't such thing as that the husband is just advised to live honorably with his wife and just like every other thing of the marriage where the husband is charged with the responsibility of doing things if he fails to do that then he's sinning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah all right now um i have a lot of things that i want us to talk about but because of time uh, I know yes. you are you are very very booked right now, but let's just talk about this for 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 a minute. Now, considering all that you have said to me right now on the program from the beginning up until this point, as regards all of the rights that have been secured by Islam, and then you look outside and then you see the prevalence of ill treatment of women in our society and Ariwa here specifically, why is it that a state of emergency has not been you know placed or called upon by all of the sheikhs? from various sects to address this particular issue because there are a lot of people that move around like they have the knowledge but they do not and when we continue to let this thing persist all what we are doing is we are allowing our sisters to embrace that very western notion of feminism to fight for what has already been guaranteed them by the dean okay uh to uh, to respond to that uh, i think uh alhamdulillah may allah bless our mashayikh uh, they're doing an excellent and a very uh, good uh, uh, work with, uh, with respect to that. Uh, we can only, uh, uh, you know, pray that Allah give them more strength to do more of it and to intensify and to prioritize it more because it's one of the social vices that we are plagued with in our societies. Now, uh, uh, be it as it may, yes, we, uh, we need to have uh, perhaps a conference wherein the scholars will be gathered and the sultan will be there and this issue be addressed and measures being decided and being enacted and instructions being given to our scholars that when you go back to your masajid and you climb on the pulpit, we need us to sustain this message 
for maybe two months or three months, we need this message to echo all around our masjid, and we need to open up our masjid for women to bring in their complaints. And we need to emphasize on the need for women to be had, to, you know, to be rescued out of whatever they find themselves in. Mind you, in, in some some cases, it's the men that find themselves in a very uh, 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 destructive uh, marital life. But we're talking about what is more prevalent in our society. So I think if that is done, uh, uh, we need to echo the message and not only echo the message and have just flowery speech and what and whatnot. We need also to set things in motion such that people know this is the repercussion of our action. If we do this, we're going to get this. If we do this, we're going to get this. Then people are going to be more uh, careful in the way they live with their wives. I hope this, uh, you know, clears it. Yes, yes, it does. Because for for a long time, we have said that um, our sisters are, have been embracing feminism, this feminism, that. But then it is like, they're, 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 for them, every single time you turn on the radio, you turn on the TV, you listen to um, sermons by scholars online or whatever platform you have, you hear them talking about the rights of men over the rights of men over their wives, rights of men over their wives. It's everywhere. You hardly hear maybe one or two uh, of our scholars speak about this, but you hardly hear them talking about the rights of women over their husbands. You know, the rights of women over the men. We hardly hear this being spoken about. So it's like there is some sort of coldness towards the women when it comes to the dean, and then they now see feminism as a sort of warmth that is there to fight for them. That is probably why they are embracing this new culture, uh, forgoing what has already been guaranteed them by the dean, seeing as the people, the, the husbands, the men following this religion have decided to ignore its teachings in its entirety. Yeah, as much as I will agree with you because I've echoed the same sentiment uh, in one of my uh, study sessions, I've echoed the same sentiment that this perhaps has given uh, rise to uh, what we have today of these evil and demonic ideologies. Uh, be it as it may, uh, that someone refuses to give you your right does not mean that you will treat him, uh, you will do the same. Am I communicating? Uh, that the husbands, that the husbands have failed also to adhere to Islamic injunctions with respect to how to live with their wives does not mean that the wives should leave Islam. They should go back to Islam and seek for redress from that Islamic perspective. What happened when the husband, when the wife feels that she doesn't want to be with the husband? During the time of the Prophet it happened. She went and told the Prophet the Prophet gave her the option of if, if she wants to keep being in the, uh, to, to be in the marriage or she wants the marriage to, to, to end, the wife of uh, Fadid bin Qais. So it is never, it's like someone saying, I don't have food in my house. That is why I've taken off to robbery. You will still be treated as a criminal. Yes, we know that there is poverty, but that does not, your poverty does not give you the right to take what belongs to another person. So you will still be treated as a criminal. I don't know if you understand this analogy. No, yeah, so, so that the husbands are failing to live up to the standard that Islam has set for them does not mean that the women should opt for options outside Islam. The husbands are not Islam. They are just Muslims under Islam. So it is for the women to go back to Islam. What are my rights under this condition that I find myself in? 
then go out there. Then when people deny you that right, now when you go to see a scholar or you go to Sharia court and now you are denied the right, that is when you have the voice to speak against that person but not the Sharia because the Sharia has given you a way out. So there is never any justification. We are talking about moral justification. There is no any moral 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 justification uh, uh, for uh, for doing something uh, that is prohibited because someone has refused to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, giving you uh, uh, your right. What you do is to seek for it using the legal means, but you don't go uh, for it outside what Islam has provided for you. Because as Muslims, we absolutely believe that. Uh, the solutions to our problems are solely kept in Islam. Now, well, this is a fine place to leave it. Um, hopefully, next time when we have more time, we'll be able to talk about some other matters or maybe just expand shit as regards this that we've already discussed. All right, wonderful. Uh, Sharon Lafia. So thank you very much. To ensure you don't miss out on next episode, follow at Mo Usman underscore on Twitter and do turn on those notifications so you don't miss out on anything.